Imitation is considered the highest form of flattery. This is something we grow to know because I've seen in children that they don't understand that it's a compliment when someone copies you. But as we get older, we know the value of a teacher, someone who models the behavior that we would like to emulate. And I dare guess that every person here has found someone that you would like to copy. Maybe they, example, they exemplify a particular characteristic that you would like to have. They're more gracious or loving or patient, more generous, more timely, more considerate, more organized. Whatever it may be, each of us knows that there is a value in a teacher and a value in having someone that you can imitate. Paul is reminding us of this inherent human characteristic when he calls the church at Philippi to imitate him and others who are imitating Christ. Because ultimately, we are called to be imitators of Christ as followers of Christ. How is it that people see our discipleship, our studiousness, the fact that we are the mentee of the mentor, the one that is learning from the master teacher. Paul reminds us that in imitating, people can see the Savior in us. Imitation is a big skill in learning a particularly new skill. I'm reminded of Dr. King's commitment to imitation. When he made a decision or allowed the decision to claim him. I'm not sure what words he would use. But when he decided to be committed to nonviolence, he knew at that time that what he was facing was bigger than himself and was pervasive and was cropping up in places that he didn't even expect it to be. And he knew that it would take a fight to, sh to, to um, look down the evil and to go against what was coming his way. He decided he wanted to fight non-violently. And so he became a student. He became a student of Gandhi and studied the teachings of Jesus again in greater detail in the commitment to non-violence. This became such a part of him that it freed him from the fears of this world. Many people don't know about the later part of King's life and those issues that he was facing while he was in Memphis where he ended up being shot and killed. But because of his stance against the Vietnam War and war in general, and because of his call for economic equality and magnifying the fact that there was such disparity in how people were compensated, there was a lot of unrest around him. At the time of his death, the FBI was developing a case against him, and he regularly received threats against his life. In those days when they were in Memphis, his friends, his close confidants, encouraged him to pull back, noticing the volume, both real in its sound and in the amount that was coming toward him that threatened him. And he said to them, as his biography tells, I would rather be a dead man than afraid. You see, he was not afraid. He was at such peace with his own vulnerability that the threats that people brought to him did not feel threatening at all. He had a strength to move against the evil that he faced, and he found that in his faith. 
He had become such an imitator of Christ that the freedom that Christ gives us was his deeply. Maybe you think you might not be that interested in being a follower of Christ if that's what it's going to end up like. Honestly, I think we would all agree. When we're told to take up our cross, we might think, well, what's our cross supposed to be? But I encourage us not to go to that end and just to start here with the imitation, to dedicate ourselves to imitating Christ. And let God reveal what the cross is. I imagine that not many people here have the threats against them that Dr. King had. I would guess that you don't have um, a case being made against you by the FBI. But I imagine your fears can be as real as what we understood his to be. In those wee hours of the morning, or when you feel most tired and worn down, you can remember your fears. Perhaps your fear that your job might come to an end. Perhaps the fear that your marriage might not make it through. Perhaps the fear of a family member, some maybe your child or your parent. Perhaps the fear that comes with an unknown diagnosis. We all have fears. Burdens that we carry, that carry us. We are called in our imitation of Christ to move forward so that we can be free from those fears. That is the promise of the good news. So I look at today's gospel and I think, how can we be imitators of Christ as we see it in today's gospel? Luke talks a lot about healing and wholeness throughout his gospel. That is what you will see over and over and over again. And today's gospel is no different. For Jesus sends word to Herod via the Pharisees that he's busy right now about his work, and that's to cast out demons and to heal the sick. Now, I confess to you that I don't know much about healing ministry, and I don't know how to explain it or exactly what it is. But I feel like God is working on me in this category, because this week alone I encountered two people who are intimately involved in healing ministry. One occasion came on the train going into the city. I was on my way to see my mentor, the person that I try to imitate. And while I was sitting there, a woman came and sat beside me, and I wasn't that interested in the conversation, but she was. (laughs) And after a couple of times of not really helping, I decided I might as well just go for it. And so we started up our conversation, and I came to learn that she was involved in healing ministry. Knowing my uncertainty and lack of awareness about this, I decided not to judge anything she said, but just to take it. Whatever it was she was going to say, I would receive. And so she talked about, and we talked about, both of us, our call into ministry. I asked her how she came into healing ministry. She said, I just got to the point where I had to accept it and to say yes to it. She said, you see, I was trained as a statistician. I got my degree at Cornell University in statistics. And I went on to teach at a college level. And I taught at Ithaca College. I taught statistics at Ithaca College. Well, these two little points in what she shared weren't lost on me. And as we came around to it again, she emphasized a little greater. You see, I was trained in statistics. And I taught in Ithaca. I said, I got that. Statistics is all about objective data. 
It's all about facts. It's all about the ability to predict and to understand how things work, systems and, and patterns. And here she was, a trained statistician. And she taught in Ithaca, New York. And if you know Ithaca, you know what an otherworldly kind of place it is. This is a town that seeks to kind of operate in its own way, free from some of the institutions and structures that so much of the world has to submit to. It was a town that had its own money for a little while. It's a town that moved to take the, the um, flag off of their police jackets and got in trouble for that. And this was the place, this was the place in which she found herself saying yes to healing ministry. She found herself saying yes to imitating Christ. She said, I just decided I had to go ahead and do it. How is it that we are called into imitating Christ? I think that's really just our invitation. Taking up the cross, we'll tackle that later, if and when and how it has to be tackled. But the invitation to us now is to be imitators, to consider how it is that we want to imitate Christ. And this season of Lent provides us with a wonderful little time frame to practice it. How do you want to imitate Christ? Do you want to be more forgiving as he was? Do you want to learn how to be merciful like he was? Perhaps you want to be more accepting, welcoming people, however they are, like he did. Sinners and outcasts, he, he welcomed them all. Maybe you want to be more hospitable to people. He said, let the little children come to me. Maybe you want to be more hospitable like Christ was. Maybe you want to learn how to speak the truth or even to acknowledge the truth in your midst, like Jesus did, to not be afraid of it. Maybe you want to be a person of prayer like Jesus was, one who had an intimate relationship with the Father. Maybe that's the way you want to imitate Christ. That's our invitation as Christian people, to be imitators, to consider how it is that Christ demonstrates what it is we want to imitate in this world. God will work out the rest. You know, there has been a request over my time here to be able to articulate what our mission is as St. Stephen's Church. And I honor that question. I think it's a very alive question. And it needs to be held. It needs to be respected. And I would simply like to add that I'm not sure that's all of ours to determine what our mission is as a church. I think that's God's to reveal to us. As we become imitators of Christ, God will reveal to us what God wants us to do in this world. As we practice what we see in Christ in this world, we'll begin to discover what it is God wants us to carry out into the world of his, how he has empowered and gifted us to be his hands and feet in the world. That is our prayer for this Lenten season, that we might consider how we are imitators of Christ, to choose one aspect of what we see in Christ, our teacher, our master, our savior, and look to grow in that way, one way, during the season of Lent so that God might find among us, in and through us, the capacity to go out into the world to bring about his kingdom for his glory. Amen.